Hey now. Hi, folks. My name is Dave Lorenzo. This is the Inside BS Show. This is the show where we break down the secrets, the scoop, and take you inside all the bull that's going on in your day-to-day life. We help you make life easy. In fact, we help you make more money and get home on time for dinner every single night. Thanks for joining me and Happy New Year. This is our very first show of 2021, and it's a special one. You're going to be taken inside my inner circle. That's right, inside my business inner circle group. And you're going to be a fly on the wall as I have a discussion with four of my most successful clients. So sit back and relax and join me for the inside business secrets from my inner circle. This is a discussion with four highly successful professional entrepreneurs, and they're going to talk about the 21 ways they're going to grow their businesses in 2021. Thanks for joining me today, and now it's time for the show. All right, welcome, folks. This is 21 Ways to Grow in 2021. My name is Dave Lorenzo. Those of you who are joining us for the first time, I do this every week with my inner circle business development community. We've opened this meeting up to the public because it is a special session. I have invited four of my really good friends, people who I've worked with for years and years, and I've asked them to share some of their business development, some of their business growth secrets with you so that you know who these folks are. Um, I'd like to introduce you very quickly and then I will turn the screen over to them so that you can see each of them and I'll give them each uh, approximately a minute to say whatever they wanna say. Uh, The first person I'd like to introduce you to is my friend Bradley Gross. Those of you who have been to an Inner Circle Business Development webinar before may have seen Brad. He pops in from time to time. We also did a feature with him where we interviewed him for an hour and folks got to ask him questions about how he went from a big law firm into his own law firm and was able to grow his own law firm successfully to make a great living and live a great life. Brad is an intellectual property attorney. He's an excellent intellectual property attorney, and he specializes in technology companies. He is on the board of the Society of Digital Agencies, and he will probably tell you all about that as one of his ways to grow your business. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Second person I'd like to introduce you to is Steve Klitzner. Many of you in the inner circle business development community will be familiar with Steve because he's at just about every meeting. He is the best, certifiably the best IRS resolution attorney. He's won numerous awards, some from places where he was not the founder of the society that gave him the award. In fact, he's gotten many accolades over the years for IRS problem resolution. The third person I'd like to introduce you to is my good friend, Russ Jacobs. Russ Jacobs is a phenomenally successful real estate attorney. He is... Uh, coming to us live today from a building that he now owns where he rents out space to other lawyers. 
it wasn't always this way for us. He was always successful, but he worked for a large firm before he decided to start his own business. And he did that in the middle of a recession. So Russ has lots of knowledge he can share with us. The final panelist I'd like to introduce you to today is Judson Cohen. Now you will hear us call him Judd throughout our time together today. Do not confuse that with the term judge. He is not a judge. He is an attorney, but he is an attorney who handles sophisticated personal injury and medical malpractice cases. He's done so for years. And for my money, he is probably the best in the state at doing that. He's in the state of Florida. So Judd Cohen is, well, let's say he's in the top five in the state in personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys. So what I'd like to do now so that uh, we can be fair to these folks. I think I did a fair introduction, but let's give each one of our panelists one minute to tell us a little bit about themselves and their practice. Also, why don't you tell us who your ideal client is in case there are people with us who would like to refer you to their clients uh, once they hear from you. So uh, let's start uh, Let's start with people who have their mics unmuted. Let's start to my top left, Steve Klitzner. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? All right, thanks, Dave. You know, my practice, I'm very fortunate because I only do one specific area of law and I do one thing within that area of law. I'm not, I, you know, people call me a tax attorney, but I really solve IRS problems. Individuals and businesses who owe the IRS or getting audited or haven't filed their returns, those are the people I represent. I don't do any tax planning, I don't do farm tax stuff. Tax planning would be bad for my business. It would really hurt me. I want people to have problems. I can't keep people out of problems, but once they can get in, I can get them out of the problem. And, you know, the ideal client, it's, it's you know, like everyone says, it's anyone with a tax problem. But you know, most of my clients are independent contractors or small businesses. But who I always want to meet are CPAs. CPAs are people that don't do what I do. They could, but they don't. And they refer me a lot of business. I refer them business. Bankruptcy attorneys, any attorney is good. Bankruptcy attorneys, divorce attorneys, those are the best referrals for me because they refer me. All right. Thank you, Steve. Let's go now to Judd. Why don't you tell us, Judd, a little bit about uh, about you and maybe about your firm? Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Judson Cohen with Weinstein and Cohen. Uh, I get the pleasure of being a second generation personal injury attorney. My father, who was too cheap for daycare, made me come into the law firm at 12 years of age and do stuff, including watching my very first jury trial, which was done by Manny Morales against Bell South, back when there was Bell South. And I got to watch that. And I saw many more prior to going to law school. And then I got to participate in and then actually be the attorney for lots of other jury trials. That's allowed me to get good results for clients. And I feel very good about that. My ideal client, obviously, is somebody in a catastrophic accident and somebody who has not had 12 prior accidents. Usually it's the only time they're going to hire me in their lifetime because it's a life-changing event and I have one opportunity to get it right. And I hope I do that for them. All right. Thank you, Judd. Uh, let's go now to Mr. Brad Gross. That's me. Hello, everyone. Good to see everyone again. Uh, so I am a, as Dave said, I'm an intellectual property attorney at heart, but I focus and really primarily practice in the area of technology. And the reason why I do that is because I was a hacker. I was the person who used to hack into government attorney uh, computers and so forth, uh, uh, at, starting at the age of 11. And I ended up doing what I love doing, 
representing technology companies. And I guess the benefit that, that we bring to the table is that uh, uh, we understand the technology at a grassroots level. So whether it's licensing or it is any sort of monetization of technology, um, structuring deals and so forth, we understand all that at a grassroots level. We could explain it in plain English. So that's what value we're going to bring to the table whenever we're involved in these, uh, in these types of situations. And I uh, either worked with or have known all these other panelists for quite a while. And uh, it's really great to be on the, uh, the group chat with you guys again. All right. Thank you, Brad. And finally, Mr. Russell Jacobs. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Russell Jacobs. I am a commercial and residential real estate attorney. And I got into this, uh, into real estate specifically because of a passion. My grandmother was a seamstress in a factory. My grandfather was an electrical worker for a union. And through real estate, they ended up being able to support their entire family and ultimately retire, maybe not extremely well off, but for a seamstress and electrical worker, pretty well. Um, that inspired me and got into real estate. I now have a 10 person uh, law firm that handles all things around a real estate wheel, whether it's real estate transactions and closings, litigation, we handle represent associations. So we're kind of one stop shopping for all people's real estate needs. Wonderful. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. I sincerely appreciate it. So uh, as you're all continuing to listen to uh, our panelists this morning, you may be wondering how I selected them and, and why this motley band of uh, misfit toys is together today. Well, I, I'll tell you the exact reason why. 12 years ago, I started a business development group that I called a strategic advisory group. And these four gentlemen, uh, along with a wonderful immigration attorney named Julie Ferguson were the first five people that were in my strategic advisory group. And we met uh, as a group, this group stayed together for over three years, probably three and a half years. And we enjoyed one another's company, but most importantly, we got great ideas from one another and supported one another in our growth. Now, I organized, coordinated the group, and I shared some thoughts, but the best ideas, and I think you, you won't get an argument from anyone here, came from the other practitioners in the group. So what I'd like to do today is share with you the 21 ways to grow your firm in 2021, and I'm only going to share a couple from myself. We're going to extract some of the best ideas from these folks here. And you may actually see good ideas being born right here today. Well, let me put it to you this way. You're gonna see ideas being born. They may not be good. <laughs> There's no guarantee. <laughs> we're like we're like the electric company. We guarantee power, but we don't guarantee the quality of power, right? So without any further ado, we're gonna get started. Now, as we're starting here, those of you who are participating, Unfortunately, we can't see all of you and we can't hear all of you. So what I'd like to do is if you have a question, I'm gonna keep one eye on the question box, which I have on a screen to my left here. If you have a question in the moment, or if you think somebody's crazy in the moment, and I'll kind of give you a head nod as to who it is, let them know, let us know in the question and answer box, and we will address that question immediately so that you get the answers you're looking for, okay? Other than that, there are no rules. Uh, I promised that our participants would remain fully clothed at all times. I have the ability to cut off both their mic and their camera. 
Um, that's the only rule we have here today. So let me get us started with 21 ways to grow. And the first way that I'm going to share with all of you this afternoon is you've got to think differently than you're currently thinking. So as we're recording this, as I'm sharing this information with you, this morning we're in a pandemic and we are all kind of cloistered away either in our homes or in our offices and we're distant from other people. So 2020 has been a year that has been unique. It has been different than every other year. If this year hasn't shaken up your thinking, if it hasn't got you thinking differently, then nothing else will. But when it comes to your business growth, we are in the 11th month of 2020 right now. We are in arguably the sixth month of the current situation. If you haven't figured out how you're going to grow your business by now, you need some help. You need to reach out to me, reach out to somebody else on the panel because you've got to start thinking about new ways, new ideas. We're going to give you 21 of them here today. But if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. So if you're trying to grow your business using the strategies you were using in 2019, it ain't going to happen. You got to think differently. For example, my business and Steve Klitzner's business and Brad Gross's business and to an extent, Russ Jacobs' business grew through professional speaking. We would speak a lot all the time. And when we spoke, we would get clients. Well, I can't do that now. I came in this office, this studio in my home, March 13th of 2020, and I haven't left. I've been in the studio ever since. I cannot speak from the stage. I traveled 120 nights last year, 100,000 air miles. This year, 5,000 air miles, four nights on the road, okay? I had to adjust. You're going to continue to adjust in 2020, but you're also going to need to continue to adjust in 2021. 2021 is going to look different than 2019 and 2020 because some people will be able to move out and about. There will be the opportunity to connect with people at some point in person during the year 2021, but nobody knows when that's going to be. So thinking differently is the first thing you need to do in order to grow your business. The second thing you need to do in order to grow your business is diversify your ability to attract clients. OK, if you've got something you're doing right now that's working for you, maybe you're advertising and that's working for you and you're getting three or four leads every week from the ads. That's great. But you got to think of something else, because if you only have one way to get 100 clients, you are vulnerable. And if this pandemic taught us nothing, it taught us that for sure. You need to have 100 ways to get one new client. OK, Start with two ways. Start with three ways to get one new client. Start with four ways. We're going to give you 18 more ways to get new clients today, but that's what your thinking needs to be. You need to come up with a dozen ways to attract new clients. And if you're out of ideas, you've come to the right place because that's what we're going to do today. Okay. I kicked us off with the first two ideas. Let's go with idea number three, and we're going to start with Russ. And the reason we're going to start with Russ is because he was concerned about everybody else taking his ideas. So let's start with Russ. Russ, give us your best idea to start. First, before you do that, I want you to tell everybody the story about attracting clients in the mall. And then I want you to oh tell God. us your big idea. Okay, so um, I was an in-house counsel for a publicly traded company, very cushy. And then my wife says, nope, you got to come home and, and work from here. So you're going to have to leave and come up with your own business. And I'm a real estate lawyer. And this is early.
early 2009. Does anybody remember what was happening in 2009? Like there was a complete real estate collapse. So how do you start a real estate law practice in the middle of a real estate collapse? Well, you grab a megaphone, you go to the mall, and you start doing shouting in Spanish how to help people save themselves from foreclosure. Because my number one tip to you is if your business isn't counter cyclical, you've got a problem. So what you need to do is figure out why, how you can rise in good times and bad. So whatever the bad thing is, the thing that you're most worried about that will kill your business, you've got to figure out how you run toward that fire, not away from it, and figure out how you can make that your friend. In my case, it was distress assets. So I came a master of foreclosures, a master of distress, and I was able to save people and I was able to grow revenue and grow in a time when every other real estate lawyer was failing. So find your, your enemy, the thing that hurts you the most in business, and find a way to make that successful for yourself. Okay, so create a counter-cyclical business model. One of the things uh, that, that we do, uh, what, that I do personally when I talk to my clients is we call it a hedge. I have them look for a hedge so that if there's a downturn in their main practice area, they have another practice area they can fall back on. That means digging your well before you're thirsty to coin a, you know, to coin a hackneyed business phrase, right? So you were, you were well-versed on foreclosure defense probably even before all that crap happened, but from foreclosure defense ended up coming relationships that helped you even after foreclosure times were over because you had relationships with realtors who referred you legitimate closings when foreclosure defense was over, correct? It, it was, and that really helped us get through it. And then we developed a litigation section, uh, real estate related, and we took all those referrals and spun them around and, and then built up a litigation practice associated with that. So really helped us out a lot and still helping us today. All right. Fantastic. Thank you, Russ. That was that was Russ's number one. I am keeping track of this right here. I got a paper and a pen. So you guys are going to have to give me good ideas. All right, Brad, you're next. What's your what's your first great way to grow a business in 2021? I think that the best way that I could. I will, is it the best way? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's a really good way to grow. Specialize, specialize and stand out. So I think that one of the things that you guys have all heard when Dave was introducing us um, is that we, each of us on the panel, um, really, we're not generalists, right? So like, for example, Judd said, you know, I'm a personal injury attorney, but I focus on catastrophic accidents, right? And, 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 and Steve, you know, he does these IRS, he's the best IRS getting you out of trouble. I do one thing, I do what great. So the specialization is really important because I think that the days of generalists are going bye-bye. And I think that people are really looking to solve problems, specific problems with specific solutions. And I think that the more that you can focus and market yourself as a specialist for those problems, the greater the odds are that a client will hire you. I could tell you that when clients come into my office or call me or uh, do a webinar with them, and we're in the middle of a fashion show because they're thinking about hiring me or some other large firm in the country. You know, I'm the sharpshooter. I'm the guy who practices in technology law. I'm not an IP guy who knows how to turn on a computer. So the specialization is crucial, and I think it's the key to growth. All right, good. I like that. That was that was excellent. Thank you, Brad. Mr. Klitzner, you're up. Well, I, I have my own, but can I just add something to what Brad said? Of course. I a lot of, of course. Meetings and lawyers stand up 
and they say, yeah, I'm such and such. I do family law, criminal law. I'll even do your real estate closing, this and that. And it's forgotten. If you're going to be in front of a group of people, even if you do other areas of law, I mean, Judd doesn't only handle catastrophic injuries, but you need at that point, differentiate yourself then. Because if you give them a laundry list of things you do, everybody does something. I mean, if you're a divorce lawyer, I only represent husbands, not just I'm a divorce lawyer. It doesn't help. Anyway, let me get to my, my thing. And first of all, it is good to get have the band back together again. I miss one of you, maybe two of you. So here's the situation. Don't you need, don't dismiss people and recognize opportunity. This is what I mean by that. My brother's mother-in-law's husband was a judge in New York. I never talked to the guy. For years, we'd be at family functions. I never said two words to the guy. He passes away, and I found out that he was some great judge in New York, well-respected. He, he, when he was a prosecutor, he did the quiz show scandals in the 50s. There was a hitman out to kill him. He was a fascinating guy. But I dismissed him as somebody that couldn't possibly help me. You need to recognize opportunities and that everyone can help you. Even your competitors can help you. You know, for instance, Judson does personal injury cases. He should talk to other personal injury lawyers. Don't dismiss them. They may refer tough cases to them. So you have to recognize those opportunities and don't just dismiss people that can't help you. Let me give you one other example. We're up in Winter Park, Florida. And my son and his family live up there. We're walking on the main street, very nice little street. It's a Sunday. There's a tax preparation office right there. And a guy comes out of the office. I said to my wife, come with me. The rest of the family moves on. We go in, I introduce myself to the guy. We go in, I tell him what I do. I say, I have people up in here in central Florida might need returns done. I can send you tax returns. Here's what I do. I gave him my card. I sent him my newsletter on a regular basis. About a year goes by, he refers me a case up in the Orlando area in Winter Park. So just recognize opportunities and no matter who the person looks like, everyone can help you if you treat them right and engage them. Great, Steve, thank you. So recognize the acres of diamonds in your own backyard. Excellent, I love it. So we got a question from Nancy Delane. Nancy asks about the Florida courts allowing lawyers to specialize. Do they allow you to use the term specialist? For years, they didn't. And we would say that Steve Klitzner focuses on IRS problem resolution. You couldn't use the term specialist unless you were board certified, I think. And Judd, you can uh, before you before you give us your idea, you can you can give me the exact verbiage because you're heavily involved in work with the bar. I think you're allowed to call yourself a specialist now under certain conditions, correct? Yeah, if you had board certification, you can. It was one of the reasons why after doing trials for many years, I got civil trial certified because it would frustrate me that non-lawyers advertising for injury cases, yeah, like 411 pain or something else could say that they're specialists, even though they're not and they're not attorneys. But me as a practicing attorney who's been doing it my entire adult life could not say that. So board certification will allow you to say specialty within your certification. Um, 
they've relaxed that to some extent, but by the same token, you don't want to say a specialist unless you have a, a basis for it, because anything that's misleading will open you up to a bar violation. So. Yeah. So we, we always, I always advocate my clients use the term, the bulk of my practice, I focus on, right? One of the things that I focus on the most is one of the areas of focus for me in my practice is, and you know, you can always, you can always use uh, percentages, you know, 90% of my practice is focused on resolving IRS issues. The other 10% is focused on fantasy football. All right, Judd, give us your, um, give us your business development idea to, to kick us off here. Well, I'd like to say that usually my business development is I wear a tie, unlike my esteemed colleagues who uh, did not. So that clearly gets me tons of business. So <laughs> I'm willing to loan. You can see behind me, my clothes rack. I have extra ties for everyone else. Um, Everyone at this uh, uh, webinar is not spending a half a million dollars a month on advertising for TV commercials or a hundred billboards. Doesn't mean you don't do a billboard or some commercial. The bottom line is if you're at this webinar, you're not spending with McDonald's to try to get uh, cases. That means relationships matter. Every case that came to you came to you from somebody else. Um, even if you have uh, an SEO, you know, with your website, great, then that person came to you. But 90% of your cases are going to come from another attorney, a prior client, um, a vendor who you utilize. Relationships matter. So when it comes time to going back and figuring out uh, how do I get more cases, be retrospective. Where did I get the cases I already got? And how do I repeat that? Uh, don't assume because somebody has sent you five cases that they're going to send you five more. That's a bad assumption. That person should get more of your attention than the person who has not sent you one. So pay attention and uh, foster those relationships. I can uh, give you a hundred ways to do that, but the focus needs to be on those relationships. Perfect. So Judd has opened the door to something that we spend a lot of time talking about in my inner circle business development community. That's relationship-based business development. One of the things that I will say about relationships is if you've been in business or if you've been practicing law for 10 years or more, you've already got enough people in your network to help you grow your business. And I'll explain to you what I mean. And that's, that's my next tip for you. That's focusing on lifetime value of your relationships, whether it's client lifetime value or lifetime value of evangelists, people who just refer you business. So right now, if you had to, if you opened up, if you took out your phone and you opened up your contacts file in your contacts, there'd probably be at least 250 people, maybe because you're uh, extroverts, maybe more, maybe 300, maybe 400, maybe 500 people. I'm willing to bet that probably only a third of the people in the contacts in your phone know exactly what you do, know the value you provide and know who your ideal client is. I want you in 2021 to focus on the depth of all of those relationships. So what does that mean? That means that every person in your contacts file needs to believe that they have a lawyer in the family and you are that lawyer. You're the person that gets the call when their kid gets busted for uh, marijuana possession or their crazy uncle has one too many drinks and gets busted driving home or their neighbor is going to divorce her husband. You wanna get those calls 
because that's an opportunity, number one, for you to pass a referral, maybe get a referral in return. Number two, for you to explain to those people what you do beyond just being a lawyer or beyond just being a CPA or beyond just being a practitioner. So my tip, the third tip that I'm giving you, focus on depth of your relationships. Everyone you know needs to know what you do. They need to know who you are and they need to know that you're available to help them. All right, let's head around the room for the second round and let's go to Mr. Jacobs. What is, uh, what is your next tip for us, Ross? Um, my next tip is something that actually is contrary to what you were saying, which is you can't do speaking engagements. Um, you always have to go with what you're comfortable with. So if you're not a public speaker, don't do speaking engagements. That'd be a terrible idea. Do a newsletter. Steve Klitzner sends out the crappiest newsletter I've ever seen in my life. But it reminds me every single month that Steve Klitzner exists and he needs IRS referrals. And I remember that I kind of like him. So I'm willing to try and see if I can dig around and see if I can find him somewhere. So you want to touch people in different ways, of course, not illegally. So, you know, I'm still doing speaking engagements. I speak to the Miami Association of Realtors two or three times. There's a lot of trade groups that are starving for content right now, and they don't know how to get it. You can actually get a bigger audience. I did a, a talk now. I was doing talks at the association's offices, and I was getting, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 people in a room. Now that we're doing them by Zoom, one, I don't have to travel anywhere, so it's even better. Okay, and I'm getting 150, 160 people in a room for my talks. So just because you think it can't be done, that's not right. There's people out there starving for content. You need to find a way to give it to them. All right. So you actually you gave us two tips in one there, Ross, but I'm only counting it as one. What you did was you said if uh, if you do speaking engagements, continue to do them, which is true. However, you're using technology to leverage your strength in your in your area of speaking. And you've discovered that it's even more powerful. It's even better. Uh, I found the same thing to be true. I can literally go around the world in a day. There was there was a day uh, about a month and a half ago where I gave uh, I had a speaking engagement for GGI, the Geneva Group International. I had people from all over the world attend. And then in the same day, I had a speaking engagement with the Coral Gables Bar Association. And in the same day, I did a meeting for my inner circle business development community. So I literally did three of those in one day. Impossible to do that physically in the real world. So 100% correct. If you are good at speaking, you just have to shift the way that you used to do it and focus on really getting the word out that these presentations can be as powerful as impactful. I mean, here we are right now. We've got uh, we've got 30 plus people that are that are joining us here. And, you know, you guys are in your living room or in your office. And the minute this is over, you can get back to work. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to do anything except for Brad, who's going to go back to playing video games. But that's beside the point. <laughs> All is right, that Brad, put the, put, the, <laughs> put the PSP down and give us another way to develop business. All right, I'm going to give you the way that I think was the most insightful thing that I offered to the group when we met way back when. And it is, if you remember, I used to say, you got to drop the tail. Remember the tail? Remember the chart with the tail? See, they're all nodding, the tail. <laughs> yeah. This is this is Bradley brilliant. Gross curve. This is the Bradley Bad Gross, gross curve. curve. Yes, exactly that, right. that's what it was. I remember Bad now, the curve. Bradley Gross curve. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you were to draw, and it's funny because as you guys were talking, I was looking around to see if I had a piece of paper to hold up and I could draw it, but I don't. 
bottom line is this, imagine a bell curve, right? A bell curve and cut it in half. So at the apex, you have at the apex, you know, and then it goes down and tails, you know, trails off. And what I did was I drew that at our meeting. And then at about, I don't know, starting on the bell curve, went down, down, down. And then just before it started to really drop precipitously or, you know, drew a line. And I said that everything past that line, those are the clients that you, you cannot take. You actually can't afford to have them. And by, mean, by that, I don't mean that you can't afford, meaning you can't financially afford it. I mean, you don't have the time for them. They are too small. They cannot afford you. They will try to nickel and dime everything that you do down to the point where you end up doing free work or the scope creep of your project becomes enormous. And I said, what you need to do is identify who's in that tail, okay? Drop the tail. When you can focus on, your pri on the clients that give you the greatest value, that appreciate, very important, that appreciate your value and are willing to pay for it, you are going to be much more successful. You'll be more, uh, you'll be more satisfied. And those are the people that will refer you to other people like them. But the more that you include or provide services for the tail people who, who don't appreciate what you do, who don't wanna pay for what you can offer them, you're gonna get sucked into doing that kind of work and it's not the area you wanna focus on. Focus on everything but the tail and you're gonna be in, in pretty good shape. All right, there's some wisdom right there. Bradley Gross, for those of you who are joining us a little bit late, is an intellectual property attorney. He has clients all over the world. Judson Cohen is a personal injury medical malpractice attorney. Russell Jacobs is a real estate attorney. And Steve Klitzner solves IRS problems. All right, Steve, you're up. Tell us your next tip for business growth in 2021. Well, let's talk about organizations and networking organizations like BNI, Primetime here in Miami, Chambers of Commerce, etc. A couple of things about it. Join a group that is going to work. If you go to a meeting of a group and everyone's just giving you their cards, they're not interested in you, everyone's there for themselves, it's not a good group. Don't just join for the sake of joining. When you find the right group to join, Take a leadership role in the group. Because if, you don't, if you're going to do it, do it right. If you want it to be successful, be a leader. In every organization I'm in, I'm either president or the ex-president, everyone there knows me. I don't just show up to the meetings, have my lunch and leave. So it's very important to be somebody that everyone in the group knows because People do business with those that they know, like, and trust. And if you want people to know, like, and trust you, you have to be at the forefront of every meeting. You have to speak at every meeting. You have to be a leader at every meeting. Even if you're going to coach your kid in Little League. When I was a Little League coach, I was also the head of the rules committee, or I was the commissioner of the league. I made sure that I had that sort of leadership role. Now, one other thing I want to say, because we're talking about uh, public speaking, and I do a lot of speaking. I make, uh, they pay me to do speaking around the country. Locally, when I do speaking, I should probably pay them because I get so many referrals from it. And not everyone's a speaker, I get. But there is one thing I want to say. When you're in one of your organizations, BNI or any networking group, and you're giving a presentation of five or 10 minutes, I get you don't like public speaking, but for five or 10 minutes, don't have any notes. 
just memorize in your head an outline of what you're going to say. Because when you're at a dinner party and you meet somebody and you're telling them about yourself for 10 minutes, you're not looking at your notes. You know your business. You know what you want to say. And when you have that opportunity to get in front of people and have your uninterrupted time, make the best use of it. Try not to bring any notes. All right. So join a group that's going to work and give it 100%. Aspire to a leadership role. Excellent. Good job, Steve. Thank you for that tip. Judd, you're up. What do you got for us? Well, my uh, tip since uh, Bradley Gross took the Bradley Gross curve about getting rid of unwanted tail clients, um, I'll have to go with one of my own, which is uh, stop waiting for perfect. Um, all the time people have, oh, I'm going to do a newsletter. I'm going to do a hard copy one. I'm going to do a video. I'm going to do a, a short podcast. I'm going to do uh, this. I'm going to send out baskets uh, of thanks to my top referral sources. And they make these lists and they're, the list of the referral sources is never quite right. Or the basket they're going to order is never quite right. Or the podcast is never quite right. And candidly, in the grasp of waiting for perfect, they do nothing. Um, there is no perfect. There's no perfect case plan. There's no perfect knowledge. You will never know everything. Uh, it's a unicorn. It's fantasy. So every time you uh, go up for a trial in front of a jury, you think you know everything? No, you don't. You owe 80% and the other 20%, you're going to wing it. And the, the key is to let, not let the jury know when it's that 20%. Same thing with you doing stuff in your firm. If you're going to do a newsletter, do it right now. And if your first newsletter is horrible, then make your newsletter better the next time. If you forgot 50 people off of your list the first time, great, send it to them the next time. Um, do a photo shoot, do whatever you got to do, but do it first because it's much easier to correct something and edit than to do something from scratch. So whatever plans you had in mind to do before, do it. Uh, what was the famous quote, uh, the NASA astronaut? Well, if you were out in space and you had 10 seconds with an emergency, what would you do? And the guy said, I'd think for eight seconds and then I'd do something. So. <laughs> that's, that's eight seconds more than most people would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, did you have something to say? Well, the, the thing is, is that good is good enough. And Judd's right. You're not going to have any, everything perfect. When you come up with an idea, a great idea, a good idea, whatever, implement it. I mean, an idea that you don't implement is not a thing. So as crazy as it might be, just try it. You will be amazed at how things work when you just implement them. Yeah, it just, uh, the, you basically jump out of the plane and build a parachute on the way down. Or if it doesn't work, you figure out what doesn't work and then you keep doing it. What makes good executives, CEOs, is that they make a decision and if it fails, they switch and, and move again and again and again. Par paralysis will kill you. Okay. Um, we have a, so we have a request. Uh, Dorcia has asked to Brad, please in a, in a, in one minute, please repeat the tail information again, basically in one minute. It, it's oh, the, it's the, it's the 80, 20, uh, it's the 80, 20 rule. It's the curve lopping off the back part of the curve, but, uh, do it, do exactly it again it. Do it in one minute. Do it again, please. One minute or less. I'll do it in 45 seconds or less. So okay. Dave's right. Imagine a bell curve where you know the top of the curve and then it starts to come down and then it trails off, okay? By the time it's trailing off, let's say those are the clients of yours that you shouldn't be doing any work for. You shouldn't be working with them. They should not be taking up your time. They are usually the clients that don't 
that either can't afford you or don't appreciate what you do, which is probably even worse than not being able to afford you. You need to focus on the clients that are at the top of that curve, that appreciate what you do, can afford what, uh, your, your rates, whatever they are, and perceive the need, right, that, that you are able to uh, help them with. Uh, anybody else, you know, you get somebody who starts trying to negotiate your fees, never negotiate your fees. You get somebody who just says, really, you charge that much for that contract? Well, you know what, you're not my client. Because if you think I'm overcharging for my contract, you don't understand the value I bring to the table, call a plumber, call somebody else. You don't want me. So By the way, uh, I, implemented the your, I implemented the Bradley Gross curve on a uh, simple piece of paper, and it was the most effective thing I ever did. In pencil, absolutely in pencil, you write down the name of the client, you put down on a scale of one to 10, the effort required for that case. This is your guess from the outset. And you put down the last column exactly what you will net in a fee. I don't mean what the gross is. I mean, after you pay your referral fees, co-counsel, everything else, what's the net? When you're done with that case, go back and pen over your pencil and write down what it actually was. And you start to see that if there's two effort with a high number of fee, that's great. When it's 10 effort with a low fee, that's tail. Anything yeah. above a uh, seven, that's not a huge multi-million dollar fee, that's tail. Get rid of it. Right. So it's it's all it's all about making the money that you deserve with the lowest amount of labor intensity that you can provide. One of the things that I encouraged our inner circle business development community to focus on. In fact, we spent a whole week on this. I did two sessions on this for them uh, about a month ago was focus on advisory work versus developing work product. Right. And the reason you want to focus on advisory work is because it's the benefit of your experience, it's the benefit of your knowledge, it's the benefit of your wisdom without you having to sit and produce work product. Now, if you're billing by the hour, you're not going to do very well focusing on advisory work. But if you're billing based on value, which is another thing we teach, you will discover that advisory work is the best way to go because it's low labor intensity, high, high value for you as a practitioner. Okay. So if you think of it, if you want to think of it this way, one of the things we do in consulting, I do this in my business now. I did it when I ran a $250 million a year annual revenue consulting company is we lop off the bottom 10% of our clients every year. So we are taking the Bradley Gross curve and we're forcing the curve to the right. We're forcing that curve up by getting rid of the bottom of our, uh, our clients. Now, your, your bottom 10% may look different in 2020 than it looked in 2019, but that doesn't mean that that bottom 10% aren't still the biggest pain in the ass. They aren't still not paying what they're worth. They aren't still fee resistant. They aren't still people who you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking about. You should never have that experience with a client and that's what the Bradley Gross curve, the tail is all about, lopping off that tail. Okay, we're up to number 12 and I'm gonna give you something much simpler to understand than the Bradley Gross curve. When you're connecting with people, when you're connecting with people, it could be your neighbor. It could be somebody new that you're meeting on a Zoom call. It could be somebody new that you're just talking to on the phone. If you're looking for points of commonality, the three crutches, I call them the introverts crutches for starting a conversation are kids, 
pets and hobbies. Kids, pets, and hobbies. If you're looking to start a conversation with someone and you're not in a place where you can highlight something in common in the room, right? Oh, if we're, if we're at Judd's house, hey, how do you know Judd? Where did you meet him? That's something that you have in common. You're not in a place like that. You gotta come up with something to talk about. Kids, pets, and hobbies are always great things that you have in common with somebody else. So how do you bring this stuff up in a conversation? Well, it's a little intrusive to say, hey, you got any kids? But what I usually do is I usually come up with a funny story that happened to me when I was walking the dog or something ridiculous that happened to me when I was hanging out with one of my kids or something that is self-deprecating when I'm practicing a hobby or a sport that I'm not particularly good at. Kids, pets, and hobbies, the greatest conversation starters if I can do it, I'm the ultimate introvert in a one-on-one -on -one situation. Those are the three crutch conversation starters that you can always rely on to connect with people. All right, we're back in the rotation to Russell Jacobs. Russell, you've had some time. Hopefully you came up with a reasonably good idea. Let's have it. I don't know about reasonably good. I've had a whole list actually. Um, here's one that that escapes a lot of people, but it's like right under your nose, um, which is accessing your prior clients. Um, you get a lot of business out of the people that already liked doing business with you in the first place. So um, COVID came and nobody was doing real estate deals anymore because nobody would go see properties. And so there were no contracts and no deals. I'm like, all right, how am I gonna build this? So we figured out you know, what the interest rates were and we went and made a list of all of our prior clients for the last four years and looked at their interest rates that they closed on and made personal phone calls to ask them how they were doing during COVID, whether they wanted to save money and ultimately whether they thought maybe a refinance at a lower rate would lower their mortgage payment and give them cash out. So we reached out to all of our prior clients uh, to talk to them. They were thrilled to hear from us. And in many cases, they didn't need a refinance, but they mentioned somebody else that needed something else or it reminded them that they need to do something. And we ended up getting some business out of it uh, from that. So accessing your prior clients and finding a way to do repeat business with them or have them help you get referrals because they liked you so much. Great opportunity that's right under your nose, right there. Don't even have to walk too far away. All right, Russ, that's great. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that up. So one of the things that uh, that we cover, in fact, if you're if you're part of the business development community, the Inner Circle Business Development Community, in the resources section you will find my let's talk letter. I call it the let's talk letter because the headline at the top of the letter is let's talk. You can also use it as an email. If you send out the let's talk letter or the let's talk email to your clients, what you'll find is probably 25 to 30% of them will call you and they'll say, hey Russ, you sent me an email that said let's talk. How's it going, right? 30% of your clients really care about you or they care about what you're doing and they want to have a conversation with you. Then if you take it a step further and you reach out to the 70% of people that didn't respond to the letter or to the email, if you reach out to that 70%, you'll find half of them are willing to talk to you and willing to have a conversation with you. And every time you talk to people, what do you do? You stimulate referrals. You open up the door to someone who probably forgot who you are and what you do, you open up that door to all the good feelings that come rushing back to them when they hear from you. 
great idea, Russ. Thanks for sharing it. All right, Brad, you're up with number 14. Number 14. How many do I have left? Two? Um, yeah, yeah, well, we may just keep going forever. So Fine. I'm I'm I got at least four. two. <laughs> Go ahead. You froze. This is a great moment. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Could no, there have been a better time for Brad Gross to freeze up? Just, that is amazing. So I, I this one. This is an important he's one. faking it. He's just doing that because he has no material. How do I, right? How do I? Um... He's back. Okay. Oh, Brad, back. we missed, we missed everything out? you just said. You were frozen. Go ahead. That's how you make wow. all your money. That's it. I build. I build a thousand dollars. That's the secret I could never tell. I just. I just gave you the mystery of life right there. Yes, and thank you and good night. No, what I was saying was the advice I'm going to give you is the advice that Alan Becker, may he rest in peace, gave me uh, many years ago. When I asked him, uh, I said, "How am I going to compete against these larger firms? Right, all these big players that say they're technologists and so forth." And he said the following. He said, "Look," he said. When you meet with a client and you find out that they're going to go talk to other attorneys as well, which is fine. He said, encourage it. He said, encourage them. You say to them, no, you're going for, you know, you're going to talk to a lot of different counsel. That's great. Good idea. I would do it if I were you too. But here's the thing. Always make sure that when you speak to these other attorneys, this is what you tell the client, make sure that they touch upon or they understand. And then you tell them something that you know your competitors are not going to tell them. You tell them something that's important to them, but you know it won't be brought up. He said, I don't care what it is. He said, you know, if uh, while you're talking to them, make sure that they bring up how to integrate this particular agreement with that because the uh, future might do this and that. Make sure they understand that. They, your client will, potential client will leave. They're going to come back to you. You know why? Because they're going to be sitting in that other meeting with the other attorney, waiting to hear if that other attorney brings up that crucial point, right? If, he didn't bring it up. I guess he really doesn't know what he's talking about. He said, always bring up one thing that your competitor is not going to know, not going to bring up. Emphasize how important that is to their needs, their issues. He said, and then sit back and wait. And you know what? He was right. He was right. It's a good way because I know a lot of you guys are sole practitioners, small firms competing against big firms. How do you do it? You put that little hint in the, in the client's brain that you know something no one else does and they have to know it too. And they'll come back to you. All right. I love uh, anytime you share wisdom from Alan Becker, it's yeah. always, it's always going to be, uh, it's always going to be something good. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I love that piece of wisdom from Alan Becker. All right, Steve, what do you got for us? Well, let's talk a little about the customer experience. You know, a lot of people say at the end, as long as I get it done right for them, they're going to be happy with me. And to some extent, that's right. But the reality is you have to give people a good customer experience. And when it comes to clients, you need to follow up with them and communicate with them. Now, I know there's some people that you can't make happy. And other people, you know, when you first meet them, you'll never make them happy. And those should not be your clients. But for most people, communication is key. I believe the Florida bar, I don't know where I saw this from, but they said the majority of complaints against lawyers is because of their lack of communication with their clients. 100%. So, that is 100% true. And, and, and what you have to do, for instance, what I do, because people call me all the time. I don't have time to take their call when they call me. What we do is we set up a time certain that I will call them. 
And then they know, here it is, I'm gonna call at this particular time. They know they're gonna get me on the phone and they're happy that I'm prepared and I can answer all of their questions. So don't think that just because you did a good job at the end, the client's gonna recommend you or write a good review about you or a good testimonial about you or even ever use you again. You need to give them a good experience so that they feel important because obviously it's because of that saying, you have many cases, they only have one. They're thinking about their case all the time. One of the other tricks I do is I never call a client on a Friday afternoon and leave them a message because it's going to bug them the entire weekend. Monday morning, they're going to call panicking, think you had bad news for them. So just think about the client. Think about what makes them happy. Uh, as I said, you can't make everybody happy to do the best you can. And this also works with the people you're dealing with, your adversaries. You know, I deal with the IRS and reputation is so important. You want the reputation that you do what you say you're going to do. You do it timely. You don't always ask for more time unless you really need it. You're fair, you're honest, and you get the job done. If you want a good experience, if you want to make more money, if you want to be more efficient, the people who you're opposing are on the other side that you deal with all the time. You need to remember that you're going to deal with them again. And you may be talking about them. They're talking about you too with their colleagues. Reputation is everything. And you need to do the best you can to have that reputation that you are a good practitioner. You do what you say you're going to do and you do a great job at doing it. And you'll do better uh, when you have that respect. Terrific. That was our 15th, our 15th great idea in uh in sharing great ideas for uh for 2021 that was our 15th great idea well, well klitzner's is so good it should count for like three i'm just saying. <laughs> i'm just saying That's all right before we before we move on i want to uh share a special opportunity with you and uh i just lost there it is i just i have just lost my screen uh, before we move on, I want to share a uh, special opportunity with you. And uh, and here's what it is. Hold on. Let me see if I can figure this out now. That special opportunity is if you'd like to get great information just like this, you'd like to join us in the inner circle business development community. I have a special offer for everyone who's on today. You can save $1,000 if you would like to join our inner circle business development community. We get together multiple times each week, share great information, just like we're sharing right here today. All you need to do is go to joindavelorenzo.com. That's joindavelorenzo.com. And when you go there, you'll see everything that's included. It's a year-long membership. Today, the membership price is only $3,550 for a year. That's easily recouped from just one new client. And by the way, we've referred over $3 million in business just in the last six months. It's not a referral group. It's an education program. It's a business development program. It's something that you will have these relationships for the rest of your life. You've seen these guys here today and how tight they are. Well, that developed from being part of a group just like this for years and years and years. So if you'd like to save $1,000, the price is going up to $45.50. If you'd like to save $1,000, go to joindavelorenzo.com. Check out the special offer. That's the sales pitch. 
And now we will get back to our final six, our final six, um, our final six business development tips. All right, we're back to Judd. Judd, let's go. What do you got for us? I'd like to either call it 15 A and B or uh, 16, but I'm going to play off of what Steve Klitzner said about customer experience. And uh, he touched on one of the things that I do in the customer experience by setting specific phone conferences. But I will tell you, customer experience is all front loaded. Your initial impression with the client when uh, they're hiring you or engaging you is everything. If their initial impression is poor, no matter what you do in a seven-year relationship, they will always think of you as a bad attorney. Everything is that initial relationship. There's a couple ways to make that initial relationship one that works much better. Uh, one, uh, if you have support staff, um, whenever you sign up somebody, always have support staff with you. If you're going to their house, if you're going to their living room, if they're coming to your office, you never meet alone because having the support staff to do some of the more mundane things like get name, address, copy a driver's license, allows you to pay attention to what they're saying and ask higher level questions. So tell me how that affected your job. How are you feeling? Those kind of things. It frees you up to do that. It also gives some import to the client that they realize this is a team effort. So that later on, when they're talking to your support staff, this is not somebody that they're being pawned off on. This is somebody that's an integral part of the operation and helping to achieve the result. One of the big questions folks have, whether they're faced with a notice of deficiency and they have to hire an IRS specialist, whether they're being indicted and they're worried about that, or whether they're in a catastrophic accident, is it's all the uncertainty. If you can't give them milestones of what's going to go on, you're not predicting, this is not uh, Karnak the Magnificent with Johnny Carson um, predicting everything, but you're going to give them milestones. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to gather some information first. We're going to find out what's available for insurance. We're going to preserve some evidence. Then we're going to track your medical treatment. Then we're going to make an evaluation of whether we make a settlement demand or whether we go into a lawsuit. That will take between six months and three years. I can uh, give you a more accurate thing when we're a couple months into it. All they wanna know is milestones. So the other thing is setting expectations. In that first meeting, if you take a full hour, hour and a half with them and you tell them, look, I will answer 100% of your questions, but I have a unique thing. We're gonna set a phone conference. And the reason why is when I know I'm gonna to talk to you at 10 a.m., at 9.30, I'm gonna pull your file and read it so that I can sound intelligent. They will suddenly understand that makes total sense. And then they will put up with the 10 a.m. The tail clients, you keep pushing off 24 hours, 48 hours, then four weeks, then five years, and eventually never a phone conference and they're fired. So it's a good way to manage client relationships and expectations, and they'll come back to you. Great. Thank you, Judd. That was terrific. Those of you who are wondering, I will be sharing the email addresses, the physical addresses, and the websites of all of our panelists with you after the webinar is over. I'll be emailing and sharing that information with you. Uh, we're up to tip number 17 and it's my turn. And tip number 17 is build a community, build a community. If you can build a community of people who are not only advocates for you, evangelists for you, but also people who you care about and people who care about you, you will never have trouble developing business. Now, I notice among our participants here, we have uh, Mitchell Panter is, uh, is, uh, is an attendee today. Mitchell Panter from the law firm of Panter, Panter and San Pedro here in Miami, they have built a community 
among lawyers who either have referred them business or they've referred business to, and they have biannual twice a year dinners with members of their community. They have regular communication where all the members of the community can communicate with one another and they connect members of their community to each other. And it has been a valuable, a really uh, incredible source of not only business, but relationships for the team at Panther Panther and San Pedro. Uh, I've been a member of their community for years. Mitch is a good friend of mine. Uh, Brett uh, Panther, his brother, and David San Pedro are good friends of mine. They promote everything I do. Many of you may be here today because Mitch sent out a promotional email. But this is a group of people. These are lawyers. And all they did was think about how can we develop a community where we can refer business to each other. All of you are capable of doing this. It's simply putting the effort forth to do it. So building community tip number 17. If you'd like any guidance or support on that, you can connect with me and I can give you some ideas. And uh, I'll tell you, it is one of the things that if you're going to go through a pandemic, you might as well go through a pandemic with 150 people who are in the same boat as you. So you're going to really appreciate building the community when you need it, when times get tough. All right, Mr. Jacobs, we're back to you. And I love being here. And, and I'll tell you, just on that networking concept, um, you know, to kind of fit in something that you'd mentioned before, um, I bought a building out of foreclosure, a 5,000 square foot office building, and I filled it with people, lawyers who did different kinds of disciplines than I did. So I'm a real estate lawyer. So I brought in trust in the states. We brought in uh, litigators. We brought in uh, intellectual property lawyers, immigration lawyers, everything I didn't do. Um, and we interviewed them carefully. They now pay us rent and they, um, they as, uh, serve as experts for everything that we're working on. We've got a person who's an expert just down the hall uh, or in this case, just down the phone uh, in COVID times. And um, we have, in addition, gotten cross referrals from them. So um, I'm a big fan of Know Your Community. If, you, if you're working in an office, obviously you wanna reach out to your neighbors and others to find out what they do, ask them what they do, ask them what kind of business they're looking for, see if you can trade conversation because everyone likes to do business with somebody local. So if you can do that, that's kind of like an extra tip. But that wasn't the thing I was gonna bring up. The thing I was gonna bring up um, is social media, which Dave will freak out about and cringe over, but I don't mean it the way Dave thinks I mean it. Um, you're not going to get all this amazing referrals from having a website and being on LinkedIn, all that garbage. All what it does do though, is it can lend credibility and trust to you when someone looks you up. So you want to do some of these things and make sure you have these profiles, not necessarily because you're going to get a ton of business out of it, but when business you do obtain goes to research you, they see that you have all these profiles available and they can see people that have commented on your sites and so on and like you, and it further affirms their ability to trust you and give you work. So uh, very, very helpful, but but not a substitute for, for developing business otherwise, but it will enhance your business significantly. You know, and just to, just to clear the air a little bit, I don't hate social media, but if you're gonna be on social media, make sure your profile is complete, make sure it's filled out, make sure, Make sure that social media doesn't hurt your clients. Uh, make sure it doesn't hurt your ability to attract clients. So in other words, 
don't fight with people on social media, right? That's a bonus tip for you. Don't be a knucklehead. You're not going to convince someone to your to see your point of view on Facebook, okay? You are not going to convert people to your religion, to your political point of view, or to fall in love with your breed of dog on social media. It's just not going to happen, okay? So stop doing it. It is not therapy. It is the easiest way for you to lose a client, damage a relationship. Do not start fights with people on social media. All right. It wouldn't even be on social media. I think you just put your profiles up so people can find you, but stay out of there. Yeah. I mean, look, if you want to be active, God bless you. Be active on LinkedIn, comment on people's stuff, <laughs> post good stuff. That's great. I think it's terrific. Just don't start fights. You know, we're out there trying to get clients all day long and you're out there trying to wreck the client relationships. What are you doing? You know, have your political beliefs. That's wonderful. Have your religious beliefs. Have your sexual predilections. I don't care. Don't share them on social media. All right, Brad, what do you got? That's so strange you're saying that because Judd convinced me through social media to change my religion and my uh, my dog that I, uh, the type of dog yeah. I like and uh, political <laughs> affiliations. It's so strange you're saying that. Anyway, but I digress. My last point is, is the following. Um, <clears throat> and this sort of follows up on what everyone has said so far, but I'm gonna add one more piece to that puzzle. And the piece is this, you have to identify issues. Now, what do I mean by that? Issues that are unrelated to what you're talking to your clients about, and then, Help your client by introducing your client to others. So like Russ just said, he knows lots of different people that he can refer clients to. And I, that's great. It's a great thing to do. My, I'm gonna add to that and say, when you're speaking to your client, listen to what your client is telling you. They will sometimes tell you, your clients will tell you things unrelated to what they're there to talk to you about, but they're issues that you can help them with. If you can be seen as not only just a person who's a sharpshooter for that one issue, but you are a trusted advisor. So as they're saying, you know, come in, I'm sorry, I'm late. My wife was uh, in a minor fender bender, but uh, you know, I made it here. Huh, well, minor fender bender. Maybe at some point you might want to start thinking about PI and injury, right? Or as they're talking, they're saying, God, you know, I, I, I'm, um, I'm doing this project and so on. I'm just trying to figure out where, do you do taxes, Brad? Well, no, I don't do taxes. You don't end the conversation with, no, I don't do taxes. You say, no, I don't do tax law, but I know someone who does. And be ready to refer people out. Identify, listen to your client's needs, be a trusted advisor as well as their attorney. It will reap benefits beyond the one case that you're working on. Excellent. Great tip, Brad. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Steve. You're, you're taking us home. You're number 20, and then Judd's going to wrap it all up with the best tip of the day. No pressure. Go yeah. ahead, Steve. What do you got? Well, I, I want to talk about the concept of, of, and we've heard this before, you can make a lot of money doing what you're doing and be the worst at what you're doing. You could be the worst attorney, the worst salesperson. You can still make a lot of money. So my thought is, I, I've taken the opposite approach. I want to be the best. And I think you should either be the best or the worst. Middle doesn't count. So if you're not going to be the best, you might as well be the worst. It's the same with fees. Either be the most expensive or the cheapest. The middle doesn't count. Because the whole idea is you always want to differentiate yourself from everybody else and be different than anyone else is. And the way to do that, in my mind, when it comes to being the best is education. 
You need to continually learn no matter how much you know about the area of practice or business that you're in because you want to be and have the reputation of being the go-to guy in your community for these situations. Now, you may not, if you're a speaker, you're going to even get more education. But even if you don't speak, read, educate yourself, be the best. Being the best translates to me to money. Because when someone comes to me on a new matter, when they hear what I have to say, they don't ask me at the end, have you ever had a case like this before? Or do you do any other area of law? They know when they speak to me that I can solve their problem. Because I know the answers to their questions. So I think it's just very, and it's also good when you're in practice, because when the people on the other side know that you know as much, if not more than them, they'll respect you, they'll do what you want to do. So by being the best, you understand your value, you make more money by being the best, you get things done faster, more efficiently, and better than anyone else, and it just snowballs because the better you are, the better you just become. So the whole idea is don't sit back and say, I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep going this way. Always get better because the better you get, the more money will be in your pocket at the end of the day. Great, thank you, Steve. Okay, Judd, what do you got for us? All right, the last one works not only for getting uh, more business, but it would probably be universal and making you happier. You have to have everything with a mindset of abundance. If you ever make decisions on a mindset of scarcity, whether it's telling a client, I don't have enough time to handle your case or negotiating a case, well, I really need the money. Uh, If you come from a position of scarcity or you tell a vendor who's talking about doing a marketing campaign for you, no, I don't have the, the money for that. All of those are decisions based upon a mindset of scarcity. And scarcity makes you make bad decisions. That doesn't mean that you always uh, spend more than you have or tell somebody you have unlimited time. You ask yourself if a client says, hey, can you handle this case? And can you do it for $10,000? If I had enough money in the bank where I didn't have to work for a living, would I do that? Is it fair given what you're doing? And if the answer to that is, yeah, $10,000 for what you're asking me to do is fair, then do it. And if you're not able to do it, because you really don't have the time, don't say you don't have the time, say, I'll be able to devote the uh, attention this deserves in December 15th. Will that work for you? So you don't have to give them a no. At the end of the day, coming from a position of abundance, make somebody comfortable that you're making a decision based on the merits. Whether that vendor is saying yes or no to a, a hard letter campaign, to an email marketing campaign, or whether you're negotiating a case, you know, you want a million dollars. Well, you know, a million sounds great unless the case is worth 5 million, then it sounds horrible. And at the end of the day, don't be thinking, well, you know what, I really need that $400,000 fee because we're short. If your mindset is that of scarcity, you're doing a bad job for your client. Think about it as if you don't need what's going on. Is it fair? Does it work without necessitating? Do I have the time? Do I need the money? And if you make decisions based upon a mindset of abundance, you will be calmer and everything in your life will go better. And it'll give people that you're dealing with the confidence that you have that abundance and winners attract winners. If All right. So this is, this work. is such a, this is such a good point. I want to take a few minutes, um, hang in there with us folks, because I, I work with a lot of people who 
especially in times like this, right? In the in a pandemic, they were super successful in 2019 and they're barely breaking even in 2020. We saw this a lot in 2008, 2009 when the Great Recession hit, right? So uh, guys, uh, no particular order. What do you do when you really are, you haven't signed up a client in a week, you haven't signed up a client in two weeks, you haven't signed up a client this month and that stink of desperation is gonna come off of you. And you know, the next person you meet with is gonna smell the stink of desperation through the Zoom call, right? I have my own way that I deal with it. I'll share it at the end, but how do you guys handle when you're, I don't wanna say, I don't wanna say you're in a slump, but you're just, you know, you're used to signing up three clients a week or three clients a month and you haven't signed up anybody this week or this month. How do you guys handle that? Well, I, I think one of the ways, cause that is very tough is you can't lose sight of the fact that a month before you did better than you ever did. You gotta kind of average it. You can't um, run scared. You know, you, you just have to stick by your guns with the work. I mean, you know, I charge a flat fee and the natural thing in your mind is I gotta lower my fee, I gotta get this case. And obviously that's completely the wrong answer to this. You know, it's like the guy comes in, it's like, well, let me pay you, just let me represent you, please. Don't do that. Stick by your guns. It all averages out. And 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 real quick, because we didn't talk about fees, but very quickly on flat fees, it's the same thing with flat fees. Some people said, well, I don't want to charge a flat fee because what if I put in too much time, I won't be making enough money. I can assure you that with a flat fee, it will more than average out. You'll do great. Don't get caught up with the fact on this case, you didn't make enough money. Learn from any mistake you made and realize for every case you get paid $50 an hour, you'll find a case you were literally paid $1,000 or $2,000 an hour for. Uh, anybody else want to talk about the stink of desperation and how not to let it permeate? Yeah, I think after shave and scotch, you work well to cover that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think a lot of it's a picture of visualization. Visualize yourself being successful. Picture yourself having gotten the clients already. And, and a lot of what that is, is a lack of confidence. So when, you, when you're struggling, you start to guess yourself and maybe something's wrong or you're not good. Remember that you're fantastic. You're amazing at what you do. You're a good person and damn it, you deserve to get clients. And so what you do is just build the confidence in your head, visualize yourself being successful before you get on that call. You already have the client and, and the client's gonna have to beg you for the work and, and try to manifest that. When you manifest that confidence, for some reason it seems to work and people wanna be with confident people. So even if, you know, some people said to me a long time ago when I was younger, lawyers so out, fake it till you make it, which is really a bad idea as a lawyer, but um, in the sales area that, that can work, it, it, the idea is build your confidence, pretend like you're already there and convince yourself of that before you get on that call. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. A couple of a couple of the things that that I have that I have folks do the first thing and this is this is why this is so important. We didn't talk about it today, but I really harp on it in the inner circle business development community testimonials, right? Letters of recommendation, you have to I have my clients try to get at least one or two testimonials or letters of recommendation every month. And I want you to do that for credibility purposes before you sign up clients. But when you're feeling down, when you got that stink of desperation, reading those testimonials and remembering success you've had previously and thinking to yourself, that's who I really am. 
that's how you get out of that funk, right? You have to think about the entire spectrum of the success you've had over the course of your career. And you have to choose to be, in your mind, the person who closed the big deal. You choose, in your mind, to be the person that got the million-dollar settlement, that won the million-dollar judgment, right? You choose, in your mind, to be that person. Don't choose to be the person who you currently feel like you are, who hasn't gotten a client in two or three weeks. So... Making the choice, that's number one, making the choice to be the most successful you've ever been in your mind, that's how it starts. The second thing is it's affirmed when you read the testimonials and the letters of recommendation from people who've given them to you. That's one of the reasons why it's so important to solicit testimonials and letters of recommendation. And then the third thing you do is focus on another aspect of your life, completely and separate complete and separate from what you're doing at work. Maybe it's being a dad, go spend time with your kids. If nothing else, walk into a room where your dog is. You will never get a better greeting than you'll get when you walk into a room with your dog, even if it was just five minutes that you've been gone, because it's like the happiest the dog has ever been. And it happens every time you walk in the room, find something or someone that really appreciates you and spend time with them. And it will completely shift your mindset. Do not Take that call with that prospective client when you're feeling like you need the deal. It's hard to delay it because you really want to get them in the boat. You really want to get them closed. But don't take the call in that moment because the stink of desperation will come off of you. Go spend 20 minutes with your kid. Spend 20 minutes petting your dog. Go read your testimonials. Then go back and take the call with the client. Your mindset will be completely different and it will go much, much smoother in the long run. All right. Oh, I want to uh, don't go shopping. Don't go, ahead, go shopping. don't go shopping when you're hungry. Don't right? go to the supermarket when you're hungry. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I want to take one minute and just really express my thanks to Russell Jacobs, real estate attorney, Brad Gross, intellectual property attorney, Judson Cohen, personal injury and medical malpractice attorney, and Steve Klitzner, IRS problem solver. As parting gifts for our fantastic panelists, we have Ricearoni, the San Francisco treat, and a lifetime supply of turtle wax. Well, thank Thanks God. to all and of you. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. <laughs> Thanks to all of you for joining us today. Uh, those of you who are interested in becoming a part of the Inner Circle Business Development Community, I put the website right there on the screen. Simply go to joindavelorenzo.com, joindavelorenzo.com. If you decide to join us and have this much fun every single week, you'll save $1,000 if you do it right now. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks once again to my fantastic panelists and thanks to all of you. We will see you again very soon.